welcome today on our 51st anniversary Sunday. We've wrapped up our 50 years, and 51 starts right today. Happy anniversary. As most of you know, today we are wrapping up a one-year celebration of our 50th anniversary, and it's been a great year, and it was 51 years ago that Calvary Church had their first service, and, and actually it wasn't Calvary Church back then. As we all know, it was Calvary Temple back then, and it was the Knights of Pythias Lodge that a group of people gathered on that first Sunday. So I grew up in a Presbyterian church, pretty traditional Christian family, grew up going to church. Um, we really stopped going to church as a family in middle school. So then in high school, my sister, she's a lot older than I am, she invited me to her church. So all of high school and college, I went to church on my own, out, like outside of my family. So I drive to church on my own pretty much been that churchgoer that shows up and then leaves right after. And so for most of my life, that's pretty much been me as a churchgoer. I haven't really been super plugged in. I haven't been a member anywhere since that first church that I was at. And when I graduated college, my boyfriend Austin had moved here and he had been going to Calvary for a whole year before I came up. So naturally, I just went to Calvary, and I, didn't, I felt weird going anywhere else. So I'm like, sure, Calvary sounds great. That first weekend, I don't even know if I was here three days, I was already invited to go to the Springfield Zoo with the, yeah, some of the young adults at the church. So I didn't think anything of that. I was like, sure, let's go hang out. And they had already known stuff about me, because not only because Austin had talked about me, but because they had asked and they wanted to get to know me right even before I had moved here. And that was really cool for me because I like to feel known. And that was one of the hardest parts about coming here is not knowing anybody. Coming from my hometown where I know everything and everyone coming here is not knowing anybody. So, um, and then that whole summer there was a women's Bible study for the young adults. and. Quite honestly, I I pretty much at first only went because I didn't have anything to do and I didn't know anybody. So I went and I was actually very surprised at how comfortable I felt. And I had, you know, throughout visiting churches, I had tried to get plugged in, just would go and stop going because I felt comfortable. So that first Bible study, I had only met a few of the girls who went to the zoo that one time, and I felt surprisingly comfortable at the Bible study, and so that's kind of the start of my experience here at Calvary. It helps me having experiences with people to feel comfortable with them and open up to them and feel like we're actually friends. And so that experience outside of Sunday morning really did help. But the girls in my group specifically, we the study that we're in has really bonded us. So we're all growing together spiritually through this Bible study. And that's cool because I feel closer to them through it. They feel closer to me through it. And it's a smaller group. You know, it's of course for me as an introvert, less intimidating than coming to a Sunday morning service and having all the people to talk to. Um, but having that Thursday night Bible study and getting that closer 
relationship with smaller group of people. And when you hang out with people like that and talk about real things and grow spiritually, you grow really close. So I feel like I have my niche here at Calvary for sure. Um, so that's been great for me because just coming here, feeling like I have a home church, feeling like I have friends who know me. Um, I've just been growing spiritually more than I ever have in my whole entire life. And that's helps, that's some help of a lot of people, but small groups and that group of people has definitely been a huge part of that. I've been that person to just come in and leave and clearly wasn't getting the job done. So coming in and having a group of people that I know and that know me has helped me personally a lot. So I'm thankful for Austin coming here a year ago and bringing me when I came. And I'm thankful for the relationships I have because of Calvary Church and for the good teaching here um, and the push and growth in my relationship with God. Small group, if you're watching this, love you guys. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, my name is James Joseph. I'm Shauna Joseph. And actually, after seeing some of the videos and pictures yesterday and the commercial of circa 1996, Pastor Johnson, I almost want to say, hi, I'm James Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at, at any rate, um, at any rate, we just wanted to share, we were asked to share a little bit of our testimony of, of how we found Calvary and what Calvary uh, means to us. Um, we moved down here as a family in 2015. Uh, I came down here initially in early 2015, January, February of 2015, for work. I had uh, found new work in Springfield, and uh, my wife was still looking for a job down here. Our kids were still in the middle of a school year, so we had decided we didn't want to move to Springfield uh, until the summer, until my wife found a job, until the, the school year back up in Chicago had ended. And so I came down here, and I grew up in the church, and um, I was here during the week. I had an apartment. I would go home, uh, back, to, back up to Chicago every Friday night or every Thursday night and spend the weekends there. But while I was here, I wanted to make sure that I found some kind of a church service to go to, at least during the week. If I was here all week alone, working all day, and then go to my apartment at night, it made sense to find something to do in the middle of the week. And it was a Wednesday, actually, that I was just on Google looking for churches, and I found Calvary Church. And it was very important for me to find a church that had uh, a strong uh, doctrine uh, in, in a Bible-believing church, a Bible-preaching and a Bible-teaching church, and, and one that, that was of uh, the faith that I was very similar to. So growing up in, in Chicago, my dad's a pastor, and he's the pastor of a Pentecostal church. And I came to church here, and I don't know if it's because I'm a pastor's kid and Pastor Mark is a pastor's kid, but it was a Wednesday evening service, and there was a prayer service, and I had met Pastor Paul, I had met Pastor Mark. At the end, there was an altar call, and there was communion. And I had the opportunity to talk to both of them, and I learned a, a lot about both of them just very quickly in that initial conversation about who they were as people. Uh, I had some immediate connection to Pastor Mark. I learned that Pastor Paul is absolutely hilarious in those three and a half minutes. <clears throat> and there was something about, about Calvary that just felt right to me. So going back in, in my history, I grew up in the church, like I said. My grandfather was the first Pentecostal 
um, in his family. Uh, he came from a, from a nominal, like an orthodox background, but when he became Pentecostal, when he decided to accept Jesus as his Savior, when he decided to uh, make a public testimony in water baptism, he was literally beat up and kicked out of his house for it. He was excommunicated from his family. He lived homeless for several weeks um, until he found a job uh, where someone said, hey, if you take care of our, if you serve as a farmhand and take care of our animals, we'll give you one meal a day and you can sleep in the barn. And that's what he did. And that's the early Pentecostal days in the 1920s and 30s in southern India where, where my parents were born and raised and where my grandfather was born and raised. And that fast forwards to all the struggles that he, he had as an early Pentecostal, and not just as an early believer, but as an early church planter, as an early evangelist uh, back in the Indies. He, back in the uh, uh, 20s, 30s, and 40s, he traveled all over India preaching the gospel. And my father eventually came to Chicago in the late 60s, and he came to Chicago to go to Bible, Bible school. He went to Bible college here. He got his undergrad and his master's in divinity here in, up in the Chicagoland area. And his goal was come to Chicago, get your education, and go back home. Because he was raised in India, where it's like 120 degrees on a cold day, and he came to Chicago in February of 1969. <laughs> so he gets off the plane, and he's like, what is this place? I want nothing to do with it. Four, five, six years, get your education, go back to India. That was his plan, but God's plan was very different. And he ended up starting the first Indian Christian church in all of Chicago. So that's why understanding what the, the, the being a pastor's kid and, and, and understanding what a true blessed church is about is very important. And then by the summer, we all came down here together. My testimony is very different than James. Um, James was raised in a Christian home. I, too, um, was raised Catholic, but I didn't begin my personal relationship with Christ until college. Um, praise and worship was very important to me and a very big part of my testimony. Uh, when we were deciding on churches, James told me how excited he was about Calvary, and I thought, that's great, but I want to be involved in picking the church we go to because our styles are kind of different. James is really into, like, the Gaithers. Me... More hill songs. <laughs> There's nothing like a Gaither homecoming, okay? <laughs> so, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that whatever church home we found was a church home where praise and worship was powerful and that, you know, I couldn't hear myself sing. Um, I wanted to go to a church where my kids would be developed and invested in by the church. So children's ministry was very important to me. Uh, we had come down to visit James for a week for a spring break, and we came down to Calvary on a Wednesday night, and I thought it was very nice. And it was kind of funny because at the end of the service, I was immediately like surrounded by all sorts of people that were like, hi, Shauna, you must be Shauna. I thought, wow, is this Indian church? It feels like Indian church. And so that was really nice. Um, but I did want to continue to check out churches. Before we left for spring break, um, before we went back home for Easter, we saw that there was an Easter event for um, egg hunting. And we thought, okay, the kids want to go. Let's go check it out. I was amazed by the fact that the church invested so much in the community, and there were so many kids from the community outside of the church that attended. Our kids loved it, and um, I don't even know him, but I think I'm going to call him out by name. I believe it was Emmanuel that was up on stage dancing, and our kids were a couple years younger, so, you know, four and six, and they were watching him dance to, um, forgot what the song was, but they were watching him dance and trying to be like him and dance like him, and they just had such a blast that day. So we did come back and uh, visit after we moved here, and I said, okay, now for the next few weeks, let's hop around and check out a few different churches. 
And we hopped around, checked out a few churches, and they were very nice. Uh, but we came back to Calvary, and it was after praise and worship, an amazing time of praise and worship, that I looked at James and said, this is home. Um, it was, Dan was praying, and I turned to him and thought, wow, I felt God's presence here, and more than any other church that we had visited, and it was just such a blessing to experience that here in a place where we didn't really know many people. Yeah, and it, that, that was what was awesome to us is because we didn't know a single person in Springfield, in central Illinois, and moving down here, finding this church first. I had coworkers that, of course, I met as soon as I came down here, but finding church was awesome. Finding community here was awesome. And, you know, it's, there's, there's things about going to a church where you may not realize the impact you have on people. I always tell Shauna, I almost say it like every Sunday, but every time we see Tina, Tina and Andy, I always say, hey, Tina's the first person that talked to me when I came to Calvary on that Wednesday night. Because it was at Jefferson Street, and I came to the, to the entrance where the school was, and I was lost. I didn't know which way I was going. And she said, hi, can I help you? Can I help you find something? Welcome to Calvary. And just something about that, you know, you never know just the simple words you say to people, how it has an impact. And I'll never forget that. I'll always remember as Tina, as the first person that I met walking into Calvary. But the relationships that we've built here, the family that we now have here, the community we have here is amazing. That's what Calvary means to us. And to tell you how much it means to us, um, just as I said, we moved down here two years ago um, because of work in Springfield. I actually just recently got a new job, and it's going to be up in Chicago. And so it's like, oh, great, now we got to move, but we're not going to move. I'm going to do the reverse. I'm going to get an apartment up there, and I'll be coming back here on the weekends to be with the family, and we'll still be coming to Calvary. And, um, and because my dad's the pastor of a church in Chicago, don't ever tell him when you meet him that I said that, but we'll be coming here instead of going to his church in Chicago. But we absolutely, we absolutely love Calvary. We love Pastor Mark and Renee, the entire family, uh, the entire family of Calvary and what you're doing for this community. It's amazing. God bless you. And I look forward to being here on the 100th anniversary of Calvary. God bless. It was about two years ago, more, a little bit more, Vicki and I uh, just realized that the church we were going to, we weren't getting fed. And I equated to going to a restaurant, not getting fed, and walking away hungry, and yet you keep coming back because your friends are there. <laughs> and so the friends and Vicki and I decided to start looking around for another church where we could get fed. And uh, we went to another church and found it to be a little bit better. And uh, Calvary was the next one on the list. <laughs> Even when we first walked in, there's people meeting you at the door, welcoming you. Uh, and then you come in and everyone's there talking, welcoming you, friendly, um, and everything like that. And it's just, you feel welcome there. Uh, then we got into the service, and the music was wonderful. Really stirs you spiritually as well. Um, and then Pastor Mark started preaching, and we walked away full that day. And then after the service, I think one of the things too that just feels so good is you see Pastor Mark and Renee and other staff walking around, just being common people. Um, Pastor Mark, Pastor Paul, other staff members give you their cell phone numbers. 
um, and they respond when you call them. Um, they they take your text messages and answer them. Um, you ask for prayers. You know they're being done. It's encouraged me going to Calvary to actually do more Bible study. Um, I feel myself moving along uh, and getting back in and moving along that path uh, better more often. Also, I've seen Vicki is the same way, which really touches my heart to see her grow. I see the outreach that Calvary does. I just love the, the single mom Saturday. I, I just, what a way to minister to a lot of people. All you need to do is have one, one of those women tell you thank you, thank you, and you're the one who's been ministered to. <laughs> we tell everyone about Calvary and uh, trying to get them to come because it's just so alive. Um, and they say some of the same things I'm saying. It's just very friendly, very spiritually awakening services. Um, even you know, even on days when you don't feel like going, you still get up and go. Calvary is a church where you're going to go and grow spiritually, emotionally. Uh, you're going to make friends. Even if you don't want to, you're going to make friends. <laughs> and they're going to be there for you. They're going to help you. When I walked in, I said, we're home. Which is a great feeling. Which is a great feeling to feel at home at the church. That's what, that's what it's all about. Being at home. Being at home. You want to come some, go someplace and be at home, come to Calvary. Well, good morning. My name is Glenna Shryock, for those of you who don't know me. And to understand the impact of Jesus and Calvary Church on my life, I really have to start at the beginning. My parents met during World War II. My dad was an American paratrooper. My mom was an English woman just trying to survive the war. They got married, came back to the United States. And during the war, my dad had been frostbitten, and at first that did not cause too many problems, but eventually it developed into Burgess disease, which is a degenerative circulatory disease that starts at the extremities and kind of works its way through the body. So he had to undergo multiple amputations, beginning with his feet, up to his knees, up to the top of his thighs. Now, my mom and dad were really strong people, and they decided to do life as normally as possible. And so my dad went to college, got a degree in journalism, and then moved our family here to Springfield. And my mom was kind of responsible for taking care of the home. And we, we were kind of a busy home. There were nine of us kids and uh, seven boys, two girls. I'm number six in the lineup. Uh, so it was a pretty busy household. And I can honestly say uh, those early years of my life, I remember feeling very loved and very well cared for. But the stability and the security of our family would end abruptly on July the 3rd, 1966. The disease would reach my dad's heart. He'd have a massive heart attack and die at 43. Uh, to say that my dad was the anchor and the navigational system of our family 
is an understatement because with his death, we were adrift. We were completely lost. My mom was 39 years old and a widow with nine children, aged two to 19. I was seven years old when my dad died. Ten days after his death, I fell off a pony and got a fractured skull and almost died. Can you imagine my mother thinking she's going to lose a child right after she's buried her husband? There was so much turmoil in our home, and there was a lot of turmoil in our culture. If you'll remember, this was the 1960s. We think we have protests now, but back then, it was everywhere. Drugs, anti-war sentiment, anti-government. My older brothers were right in the middle of all that turmoil. Uh, they refused to go to Vietnam. One of them went to Canada. We would not see that brother for 10 years. Another one joined a subversive group, uh, was wanted by the FBI. Another became severely addicted to drugs and committed a felony and went to prison. I often wonder what my mother's stress level was like at that time, and I really cannot wrap my mind around it. My family was not religious. We did not have a church family to support us. Her own family was an ocean away in England she began to drink alcohol to numb her pain. Pretty soon she was drinking every day and parenting us less and less. We eventually lost our middle-class home and became homeless. We're living in some other people's basement. And one night she took us kids and dropped us off at a friend's house, and when she came back to pick us up, she was drunk, and the woman said, you're not putting those kids in that car. And she did an intervention with my mom. She took my mother to the hospital where she could begin to detox and then go into rehab and then finally into recovery. But for us five kids, this was like another death. No dad, no big brothers, and now our mom was gone. DCFS picked us up and we were in foster care for the next two years. But then two years later, long years later, we were reunited. My mom had met and married a wonderful man while she was in rehab, John Foynier. And we were so thrilled to be back together again as a family. Uh, we quickly fell in love with John just because he loved our mom so much. And he loved us too. Got us pets, taught my brothers how to hunt, how to fish. And it was just incredible to feel like a family. But even love could not keep tragedy away from us. John got lung cancer and died before their third wedding anniversary, and we were devastated, and it seemed like my family could never recover. My three younger brothers fell apart pretty quickly. There was early drug use, dropping out of school, addiction, violence, another felony drug charge, another federal prison sentence, and the cycle of chaos and self-destruction took that next generation of boys. So frankly, it's against all odds that I would be a person standing here in a church speaking to you, except for the grace of God. The direction of my life changed, and you can see it right back there on that timeline. I was 14 years old when a friend invited me to church. At first, I came just to be in such an exciting place. There were hundreds. I mean, there were so many teenagers and there was great music, and there were cute boys. <laughs> so, so of course I came back. 
Uh, <laughs> but then the good news, the gospel, which means good news, the good news of salvation broke through those superficial things. The good news of salvation, that sins could be forgiven, that God had plans and purposes for this life, for this life. Could it be true? Could God really want me in his family? Over and over, service after service, I would hear this appeal to surrender, to obey. I obeyed, and I surrendered, and I've never looked back. I found salvation at Calvary Church, and it was a watershed moment. My entire life changed, but that was only the beginning I also found discipleship at Calvary Church. I've been sitting under tremendous preaching and teaching and anointed worship for over 40 years. My life and my soul, along with thousands of other people, has been transformed. And I'm grateful that from the very beginning, I was encouraged to not just be a spectator, but to participate. And that's how I found servanthood at Calvary Church. For many years, I helped in the kids' department, in junior Bible quiz. I taught Sunday school, taught small groups. I sang in the choir, went on missions trips. And to this day, I enjoy teaching, greeting, serving wherever I am asked. And as Charlie said, whenever you're involved in ministry, you always get more back. You always get more back and grow spiritually. God has called me into a full-time ministry of counseling, and I'm now the executive director over at Living Hope Counseling Center, where it's my privilege to work with the staff to bring hope and help to people when life is difficult. I also found true love at Calvary. I met my husband, Dan Shryock. You can see his picture out there in the Oasis. And he is not only a good man, but he is a godly man. And our marriage of 33 years has brought emotional healing and spiritual health to me in ways I could not have imagined. His love is truly one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given me. I could not be more prouder of him. Amen. I also found partnership at Calvary. Together, Dan and I have raised our three daughters here. I'm not kidding. From the, the minute they were dedicated at the altar to through every children's program, every youth program, we educated them at the daycare and Calvary Academy. And I'm telling you, we will be grateful forever, forever, for the number of people that have poured into our kids' lives. And then I also found spiritual mentorship at Calvary. Now, this is a real long list. I don't have time to go through it. But our founding pastor, M.C. Johnson, was not only my pastor, but he was my spiritual father. It's hard to imagine me becoming a Christian without thinking of Pastor M.C. and Mrs. J. and Chet and Angie Squires and their spiritual vision. And I, along with so many others, are indebted to them for that vision because Calvary Church came through their passion. And I agree with Jeff. I cannot wait to see Pastor MC in heaven. I'm going to hug him first, though, Jeff. So, And then there's Pastor Mark, who has been my friend for over 40 years and my pastor. 
His leadership keeps us grounded, Calvary Church. He keeps us in the Word of God, being led by the Holy Spirit. I look to Mark as a spiritual compass in my life, pointing me true north when this whole world might be going crazy. And he's leading us, Calvary Church. He's leading us, and I'm so grateful for that. So thank you, Pastor Mark. Yes. And I thank, I thank the staff of Calvary Church for all that they've done. I stand here knowing that thousands of lives have been touched as they come through these doors, but also believe, friends, that thousands more are going to be touched in our bright future. So today, I stand here with the psalmist, and I say, better is one day in the courts of the Lord than thousands elsewhere. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you. Love you. In the book of Luke, it says, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast their lots for his garments. Father, we bow our hearts before you today. And we know that anything that is of value that we do is because of your gifting and your spirit flowing through each and every one of us. We have nothing to offer anyone. You have everything to offer everyone. And we thank you, Father, for that great hope and for the great presence that you bring into our lives to direct us and to guide us to use us in your kingdom, and we just pray you just let your son's name be glorified in everything we say and do so that others can find the fullness of life that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever given much thought to the names of churches? Some name them after their denomination. Some name them after uh, their neighborhood or a location in the city so you can know where to find them. Some name them after something they want people to know they will find in their church. And I'm not casting any negative uh, light or judgment on all those. I think all of those work just fine. I think they're all great. Our name is Calvary. That's who we are. Christians today have a great affection for the word Calvary and the place Calvary. But I want to remind you today that it has been redefined, that place, that name, because of an act that Jesus did there, because of an action he took. Calvary was just a small hill outside of Jerusalem. If you went back in time to Jesus' day or even shortly afterwards and asked people where it was that you'd like to go there, they would have asked you, why would you want to go there? While three of the King James versions translates the word Golgotha, Luke uses the Hebrew Aramaic translation and uses the word Calvary. They all have the same meaning. And what you find in most translations today is that, is that meaning. It is the place of the skull. There's a lot of theories about that and why it's, why it's that. If you go there, one of the 
places they think it is actually looks like a skull. It was not a place of beauty or of spiritual significance until Jesus went there. It was a place of Roman execution. And Jesus went there to be executed and forever changed the way the world would see that place. As a faith, we have some significant central events in our faith. In a month, about a, in a month or so, we're going to begin to celebrate Christmas and the virgin birth and all the things that come, come to us around Christmas, the great gift of God to us, God coming to earth as man, a lot of celebration. We're going to be talking about Christmas matters throughout the month of December. And on December 10th, we're going to come together that night and have a great night of celebration uh, with great music. I want to encourage you to invite your friends and come and be a part of that night as we just celebrate what Jesus has done for us. In April, we'll celebrate Easter, Resurrection Day, the power of God over, the, over death, great significant days in the life of the church. But take note. Both of those days lose their significance without Calvary. Calvary is where the prime act of Jesus took place on this planet. At Calvary, he paid the redemptive price for us. We're all sinners. We've all lived life our own way. We've all lived life disconnected from God. And that sin debt had to be answered. That sin debt had to be taken care of. Either we're going to pay the price for it for all eternity, or somebody had to intervene. And Jesus came to this earth primarily to pay that price for us, to pay the redemptive price so that any one of us could ask him into our life, receive him as our Lord and our Savior, and we could be born again. At Calvary, all men have a second chance. The manipulator, the liar, the foul mouth, the addicted, the thief, the adulterer, the fornicator, the homosexual, the abuser, the murderer, all can come to the cross, all can come to Calvary and find new life. Every one of us in this room, whatever our sins were, can come to Calvary and find new life. All mankind finds level ground equal ground at Calvary. Why? Because Jesus took our sin and paid the price at Calvary, at the place of the skull. Calvary is a place where Jesus died so we could have new life. This is why we don't have a hundred-foot manger outside our building. This is why we don't have a hundred-foot stone that was rolled away from the tomb. Both significant both important, but we have a cross. And we call ourselves Calvary because this is the pivotal moment in history where Jesus on the cross paid the debt for our sin. It's why we come in and celebrate and lift our hands to him and sing unto him because we owe our eternal life to Jesus. Calvary is not, not just the name of our church. Calvary is where the world was forever changed and where we were given the opportunity to know God and to live life to the fullest.
We don't leave him on the cross because he finished the work on the cross and he lives victorious today. He paid our price so we can have new life. Now I want you to hear this. Jesus never said to us, raise your hand at an appeal and you'll be okay. Jesus never said to us, walk down an altar and pray a prayer with somebody and you'll be okay. Jesus doesn't say to us, oh, you just have to be baptized and you'll be okay. All of those things can be important. What Jesus says to us, this is really important to capture, what Jesus says to us in John chapter 3 is this, you must be born again. You must be born again. Jesus tells us that this is a work of the Spirit of God upon the life of a person who calls on his name. Now listen, second-generation Christians, I'm a third-generation Christian. Religious people have been religious all of your life. We have trouble right here. We have trouble right at this point. You, think, you, know, you kind of get this, oh, I, I come to church and I've you know, done all the right things. I've been baptized and I've you know, gone to the right classes and I know all the right stuff. But it's not, all that is important and is good. But it does, just, like, just like Christmas and just like the tomb and the resurrection become empty without Calvary, all of it becomes empty without Calvary, without the born-again experience that comes by the power of the Spirit of God that is witnessed to by the fruit of new life where the old begins to pass away and all things become new. We call ourselves Calvary. We put up the cross not as a symbol of death. It is a symbol of life. It is a, the cross is a symbol of love. Calvary is a symbol of celebration. It is a symbol of forgiveness. Calvary is a symbol of hope. It is a symbol of the second chance. It is a symbol of remembrance that Jesus went to Calvary to answer the debt to justice that God requires and to offer the gift of love that God's nature demands. Jesus went to the place of the skull to fight for us to have new life. And just before he went there, he sat with his disciples and he started an ordinance that we do to this day where he put a piece of bread in their hand and he broke it so that we would do it generations later to be reminded he gave a real body, a real body was broken for us so we could have life. He gave them a cup to drink, and he said, drink of this. This is my blood of the new covenant, of the new deal we have with, with God, that if we accept that blood upon our life and that work of Christ upon our life, that we can be set free and made clean. Amen. We're not changed at the manger. We're not changed at the empty tomb. We are changed at Calvary. By faith, belief, trust, surrender to Jesus, we receive in that moment the grace of God and become new in him. Listen, Jesus didn't call us to be nicer people. He didn't call us to be kinder people. He didn't call us to be simply better people. He called us to be born again people. People who have a new nature written on our heart 
by the power of his spirit. Jesus came to make mankind new, not by rules, but by a new nature, a new spiritual DNA in our spirit that every Christian looks at people and talks about, about the need to receive Jesus into their life and be changed by our spirits being reborn by the Spirit of God. At a moment like this, the Spirit of God witnesses to our spirit, tells us we need to be born again. And we lay everything else down. We put our trust in him to be our Savior for eternity and to be our Lord upon this earth. Friends, that's why we put up a 100-foot cross and point people to what Jesus did there. That is why we call ourselves Calvary. That is why we do all the ministries that we do so that others will consider this prime call of Jesus, that we are all sinners, that we all owe an impossible debt, but that at Calvary he paid it for us so that anyone who calls on his name will be saved. Amen. Amen. And when you do that, friend, when you do that, you become part of the born again who stand at Calvary, looking to the work that Jesus did on the cross and knowing that he paid the debt for you. Let's stand and give the Lord a clap offering today. He deserves it, doesn't he? Lord, we glorify you today. And friends, you've heard stories today. You've heard testimonies today. As we celebrate now 51 years of ministry, and we believe there's many, many, many more life changes to come. But if you're sitting here today and you've never asked Christ into your life, you've never surrendered your heart to him, I want to tell you, you're not going to go to heaven because you're a nice guy or a good person or you gave to something or you went to a class. You only go to heaven when you're born again by the Spirit of God. And God tells us very, very simply, Jesus tells us, that anybody who calls on his name will be saved. And you've got to make that call. In these next few moments, the significant issue isn't walking down and asking somebody to pray with you. The significant issue is you praying with somebody and asking Christ to come into your life. And so today... You may have a physical need you want somebody to pray with you about. You may have a big issue going on in your family you want somebody to pray with you about. You may be hurting and feeling lonely and just want somebody to pray with you to encourage your spirit. It could be many, many things that would draw you to the altar today. Don't leave if you've got something. Come to the altar and let somebody pray with you. We believe prayer changes things. If you've wandered from Christ, or if you've never asked him in to be the Lord and Savior of your life, let somebody pray with you. And in a moment, the work that Christ has done for you will be applied to your life. Father, in these next few moments as we sing this song together, I just pray that you would lead people, whatever their issue may be, to come and receive your grace and your work in their life. And so, Lord, touch us today. Uh, move in our lives today. And if there's someone here, fathers, I know, as there have been many, many, many times, thousands of times, that needs to get their life right with you, 
they need to be born again. That they wouldn't put their trust in anything else. They would hear the words of Jesus in John chapter 3 where he tells us we've got to be born of the Spirit. And they would step out and receive that grace in their life as well. In Jesus' name, amen.